Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. A very warm welcome to The Parent Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia L. Corey. And I am Seema Barker. So tonight's show is all about home learning. Now we're all up to our ears in it, aren't we? Or we've just pretended it doesn't exist and we're not going to do it anymore. But there, wherever you are on the spectrum, it's it's a concern, isn't it? We're all worried about it. We're all talking about it. Every school's doing it differently. And we just want to try and figure out some some benchmarks in in this conversation. So on tonight's show, we're going to speak to Hannah Morris, who is an educational psychologist, and she's an independent practitioner. And we're going to talk to her about her experience of home learning and just get some tips from her. Hi, Hannah, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? You're very, very welcome on the parents show this evening. I'm really pleased to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. What does an educational psychologist do? So um, basically, my role is to help adults to understand and um, find ways to support children with their learning, behaviour and their development. And through a process of um, consultation and assessments and, and seeing children in their school settings, I help them to understand their strengths, but also why they might find things difficult at school. I work in a variety of different settings with children from the ages of three all the way through to 16 and come across all sorts of wonderful young people with a range of wonderful talents and personalities, but also that have a variety of special educational needs such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyscalculia. I work with cognitively gifted children. There's quite a broad range of of families that that I support um, and schools that I advise. And so can I ask Hannah, um, you've obviously, when you've been talking about advising schools, you're in touch with educators. How has lockdown been for the educators that you've been uh, in touch with? I mean, it's it's been overwhelming for them, really, and, and, and quite stressful. It's just, it's an unprecedented situation and they've all been thrown right into the deep end I think something that a lot of education educators have struggled with is that the essence of teaching is about personal interaction with students and that's just been stripped away. For, for a majority of lockdown, they weren't able to actually be in a classroom with their children. So it, it's had a huge impact. They've had to make huge adaptations and all their years of planning are not designed for virtual teaching. And in such a short time scale, they've had to, to really sort of tried their best to come up with ways to continue to educate the children in their class, whilst also managing their own personal circumstances, whatever's going on in their personal lives as well. I think a lot of teachers have have found it really tough and on an emotional level in terms of, you know, missing the children and not being able to to fully do what they're, they're passionate about, which is teaching. I think we're we're kind of we're all aware of it to a greater or lesser extent, but it is a complicated situation, isn't it? And I think we as parents don't fully understand the complexity of it. Like when we hear things like safeguarding and and different issues, how does this make things even harder to kind of deliver learning in into your into your home by teachers? I think one of the biggest issues. Uh, for teachers is in terms of their own skill set and confidence in being able to go online. It can be quite a nerve-wracking experience having to video yourself or just even work with technology that you've not used before. And in terms of safeguarding, obviously there's a lot of worries about, you know, might I be recorded and what would students do with that information? So the, the solution really is about putting risk assessments in place where staff are teaching online and planning measures to ensure staff and pupils are safe as much as is reasonably possible but there's so many factors that that affect it and I suppose the the, what makes it complicated is that it's inconsistent there's such inconsistency about what's available in terms of resources 
for individual schools and the family setups of what they can access through technology. So, you know, it, it is quite tricky to sort of navigate and, and work out, I think, from a school perspective of, of how they're going to try and meet the needs of their pupils as best as possible. Yeah, that I mean, that is very interesting, isn't it? There's, there's just in that last bit, there's so many different things. The technology that the teachers might actually have access to, whether or not they might have had any of those, use any of those skills before their confidence in using those skills. Uh, certainly, I'm, I'm not particularly tech savvy and I completely reliant on my co-host Lydia. So without her, I'd be completely lost. So the idea that I'm having to do my job without somebody else there to support is quite an interesting idea. What, what do you think could help to make these things run a bit smoother, though, Hannah? At the end of the day, it, it comes down to, to training and resources. But there is no magic wand to suddenly put all that in place, both in terms of, of, of funding, but also in terms of time. You know, if we're talking about the skill sets of staff, they need training and they need opportunities to practice and rehearse. And that's not something that at the start of lockdown they were, you know, really going to be able to do in a matter of a couple of weeks. And I know some schools have been able to develop that and support their staff with that. Other schools haven't. I think moving forward, I know certainly there's the new government guidance at the moment is that schools need to plan for being able to continue with online provision for some pupils that might need, might need it, such as the vulnerable students. So really it's about the school leadership teams planning in that training and, and supporting the staff on a, on a well-being level um, with, with how they're managing and coping. Hannah, I'd be interested because I think the thing you mentioned is every, every school is doing it differently. And from a parent's perspective, why is that happening? Why why are schools doing it differently? Is it because different county councils? Is it because the Department of Education, you know, the communication from them isn't right? What what is the what's the reason? Yeah, I I, w- I would say it's probably a, a combination of of that. You know, there is a lack of clear directive from the government. You know, there wasn't a, a clear statement of you know all schools must do this as a as a bare minimum. Um, it was very much schools were told to make their own judgments about what they feel they can and can't do. And I, there's probably views on both sides about why that might be a positive and, uh, and not, you know, it's not helpful when there's not a clear directive. Um, and it does leave things open for question and leaves parents, you know, to sort of feel, well, hang on, what, what if my child's not getting what another child is? And, you know, is that fair? But on the other hand, if we're allowing head teachers to to make judgments about their school community that they know and what they feel is going to be in the best interest of, of their children and their staff then then that's that's a positive as well in that you know we there's an element of flexibility there I, th- I think that there is a difference in private schools and state schools so some parents might see a difference there because private schools are businesses so there's an expectation there from the parents that they're going to receive some sort of online teaching because they're still paying their fees other factors that come into it, I would say, you know, the size of a school and the facilities available um, in terms of when pupils have been able to go back in, even, even that's different now. Some schools are, are offering more classes and opening schools up a bit more than others. But, you know, even the number of classrooms in a school and how much outdoor space there is has an, has an effect on that. The number of staff that are available, you know, if, if staff are shielding, you, you still have to be able to have enough staff in school you know, for the pupils. So all, all of this comes comes into play. Yeah, of course. With regard to looking at the way schools are dealing with this because of this lack of, you know, directive from the government, you know, they're obviously going to, they, well, they might have different priorities. Um, so it might be to do with resources, the reason that they're approaching learning differently. But what I'd really like to think about is, you know, when we look at their priorities, is the idea of learning or the well-being of students or the well-being of staff as well I suppose there's three kind of they all seem like they should be priorities but are they all mutually exclusive what do you think about that Hannah? I think that you're right in that you have to consider pupil and staff well-being but also family well-being as well and because obviously the the children's immediate family and who who they're living with in their home their well-being is going to affect and have an impact on on the children too I think in terms of are they mutually exclusive, I'd say in the long term, no, because without an education, children are going to be at greater risk of things like unemployment, poverty and and mental health issues when they grow up. You know, we know education is a protective factor for children's futures. But in the short term, I would say actually, yes, they, they probably are because well-being must come first. Children find it harder to process and remember information 
if they experience negative emotions such as anxiety. So they're not going to learn very effectively if their well-being is not being addressed. So, so it has to be the priority. You know, there are going to be gaps in children's learning, but teachers are they're skilled at identifying where pupils are at and planning next steps. So in most classrooms, you know, pre-lockdown, the teachers are already have a diverse range of children from those with learning difficulties through, through to those that, you know, are, are cognitively gifted and, and more able. And, and so, you know, I think that when we return to schools um, in opening up fully in, in September, hopefully, that we'll find that, that the teachers are able to adapt the context of the curriculum and identify the needs of the children and, and support them in, in closing those learning gaps. But the main issue has got to be supporting them emotionally through transition because otherwise the children, they're not going to even be able to access what they're being taught in terms of, you know, the academic side of things. But, you know, it's, it, I think it's important for parents to remember that this is a huge amount of work for teachers that they've got ahead of them, a huge amount of work. And so it, it, it's not necessarily going to be a smooth process it? and they're not necessarily going to get it, get it completely right. Yeah, and it's it's great to be reminded of that, Hannah, you know, because I suppose everybody's jumped into this situation and everybody's like in my professional capacity, you know, we're being thrown curveballs left, right and centre and everybody's in a kind of state of kind of anxiety to a greater or lesser extent. So, but what I what I'd like to ask you is and I know this is a very very general question and you you can't answer it for every child, but generally, what approach would you recommend to home learning? Um, that's an interesting question. Long before lockdown, many of my clients would talk to me about the struggles they have with getting their children to engage in doing homework and how their children would often resist when they try to teach them something. So suddenly we've all been thrown in, into the deep end and we're now having to do this all the time. And, and it's a real, real struggle. So... My advice really would be the same as, as I give my clients, and, and I, I think it's relevant to all parents, and that is be a parent, not a teacher. Focus on supporting your child to practice knowledge and skills they are familiar with rather than trying to teach them the curriculum. You know, during lockdown, children have had the most wonderful opportunities to explore, get creative, enjoy family time, and we mustn't underestimate the importance of the knowledge and skills that these give to to a child. I suppose mostly I want parents to know that whether they're able to do home learning with their child every day or they're working full time and, and all they can do is simply share a story at bedtime, what they're doing is good enough. You know, you, you do what you can in, in challenging situations. And I want parents to be reassured that children are resilient and they will bounce back. I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and, and how it, 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 there is a, a potential positive to come out of this, which is that children in sort of the, the key stage one cohort, assuming their emotional needs are, are addressed, they potentially might even make greater progress once returning to school. I, I believe that in this country, we introduce formal teaching of literacy and maths far too early before our children's brains have developed the cognitive functions to a sufficient level to be able to cope with things like processing and remembering complex information and and we know that in in some european countries and, and australia for example formal education doesn't begin until six or seven and uh you know in these systems that they're, they're less target driven they're more child-centered and in terms of education rankings countries such as finland and uh i think it's new zealand ranked much higher than the uk in reading maths and science so for some children, they may learn more effectively because their brains are ready to make sense of the information they're taught. One example would be something like working memory capacity, which increases with age. So the amount of information we can hold in our mind improves as we get older. So it, the, the challenge is going to be supporting them to cope with the trauma and the loss that they've experienced through lockdown. But in terms of being ready to, to learn what they're being taught, they'll be covering things that they would have done six months earlier, but they'll be having to cover it in the autumn when they go back to school. They might actually be more cognitively ready to, to cope with that. Well, that's that's definitely going to be good news to our listeners. And on that point then, Hannah, if you feel as a parent that your school isn't providing very much home learning, 
do you think the parents should feel like they need to fill the gap in order to because I suppose with well-being you do need to keep your children busy on some extent because that's not good for their uh, emotional well-being just being bored and not in the bored way that we all know that we were when we were children and you know constantly being taken to class but just undeniably bored because of the lack of interaction that they're having mm. I mean I, before I answer that question I would say there's, there's, there's some, there is some interesting research on children being bored and that actually they do need boredom in their lives so that they can find ways to entertain themselves and occupy themselves and it's actually really good for developing children's imagination but I take your point that within lockdown it's to a degree that that's not healthy and, and can be can be worrying for, for parents so unfortunately there, there is no simple answer to that because it very much depends on the, the personal parenting preferences of um, parents and, and also individual children's needs as parents really the best way to to help your child is to support them to be emotionally ready for school um when we return because we, we we have sort of shifted now we do have the summer ahead and i think that if there are parents that do want to be doing some learning with their children it I wouldn't worry so much about trying to teach them everything to sort of fill in any gaps. Maybe just sort of refocus on sort of revisiting and reminding and keeping information fresh in their mind um, so that they're sort of ready to, to pick up from where, where they've left off in September. I think if, if children can be supported to recognise, to understand and manage their emotions, then they're going to be better able to access what they're taught and therefore catch up quicker so focusing on on the emotional development it might seem like we're going on and on about it and it's a big deal and you know but what about the learning but it's more than just about the children feeling safe and 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 happy and and being able to cope it's also about them being ready and able to learn so yeah i i I think um it's very much down to to individual circumstances really as as to how much families want to do and how much they're able to do as well. That's great, Hannah. Thank you. And there's one group who I think everybody's particularly worried about under the current circumstances, and that's children with special educational needs. Mm. Have they been affected disproportionately, would you say, during this lockdown? Unfortunately, this is the situation in most cases. What you need to bear in mind is that pre-lockdown, our child mental health and special educational needs services were beyond a state of crisis. So for many families, the schools that were their lifeline for their, for their children and, and for them as, as a family unit, lockdown meant that their safety net was literally stripped away. And, you know, how parents ha- have experienced support from their school during lockdown has really, really varied. So you have some parents who have really struggled to get support from their child's school in meeting their children's complex needs and to the point where they've they've been pushed to breaking point. And where some school staff have been wonderfully supportive, there are lots of really positive stories as well. Children with neurodevelopmental differences, such as autism and ADHD, they're still really, really struggling because there's only so much the the staff can do whilst they have limited contact with with those children. Um, it's, It's got a little bit easier once they've been going back to school more but you know it's it's had a real real effect children with um you know autism adhd they'll often experience overwhelming anxiety when faced with change and uncertainty you know it's a it's a normal feeling for everybody to to experience but for these children it's off the scale so the last few months have been particularly challenging for them you know i've heard parents talk about their children being too scared to even leave the house so you know, it has been a really, really tough time. Yeah, no, um, definitely. And I think that's, that makes it easier for us perhaps to put into context the, the, the difficulties that you've, you've so ably talked about from parents, from schools, from teachers, from everybody. And, and seeing it as a whole, I think, perhaps makes it maybe easier for parents to not give themselves such a hard time and maybe focus on a bit of quality time with the kids. But Hannah, I, I have to say you've been absolutely fantastic and I think that we've all learned so much and, and that's really hopefully reassured parents uh, about the... Yeah, I mean, in terms of families who've got, you know, children with special educational needs, 
I think what what I what I want if I was to sort of you know speak to 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 St Albans to Hertfordshire to the world, it's that that they really need to know that 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 my heart goes out to the parents and I have the utmost respect for them because their children are some of the most vulnerable and lockdown has really compounded the challenge they face. And, um, you know, I, I think of them as warrior parents because it's really, it's their love, their resilience and strength and determination is, is what enables their children to thrive. And it's just so cruel that every time they try to get help for their child, they're faced with battle after battle after battle. Um, and if there are any parents out there who who are really struggling, certainly in Hertfordshire, we're very fortunate there are some wonderful support groups. So two in particular um, worth mentioning. One is a charity called Space. They do fantastic work with families and children who have ADHD and autism. And the other is a Facebook group called It's Not Just You. And for, for all parents, those who have special education needs and any parent who just might be struggling at the moment with home learning, if, if they're looking for advice and resources, they might be interested to know that I run a Facebook group called Top Tips for Learning and Child Development. Um, it's got loads of information, resources, tips and advice from other parents and carers, but also a range of professionals. And also, I've because I've not been able to work during lockdown, I've been developing some online courses for how parents can help children with home learning. I've just released a, a free course, which is all about how to motivate and engage children, help them overcome those emotional barriers to learning. So if there are parents that want to do try and do some some learning with their children over the holidays and um, that's something they can they can take a look at it's on my website which is uh it's called send bite size so uh, would, would you mind spelling that out for us hannah so parents can get it right well it's a long long website address but it's s-e-n-b-i-t-e-s-i-z-e dot thinkific so t-h-i-n-k-i-f-i-c dot com and uh, you can go on and, and take a look at, at the courses I've, I've, I've put up there but as I say this this free one is possibly one of the most important ones to get started with because it's really it's about how you get your child to engage and and you know to be able to actually support them and, and enable them to want to learn really um you know particularly those that are probably had had enough now and, and the end of their tether fantastic hannah that's so helpful and i for one i'm off to your website now to download it because i need it i need it more than anybody else but that's <laughs> hannah morris thank you so much for sharing your your expertise and your thoughts with us it's really really incredibly valuable oh pleasure i'm, I'm, I'm glad you find it find it helpful and uh, it's, it's been wonderful talking with you thanks for having me on Great. thank, thank you. you very much hannah a very warm welcome to the parent show on radio verulam 92.6 fm i'm lydia Corey, and good evening everybody i'm seema barker now we're easing lockdown restrictions just little by little but obviously the vast majority of school children are still at home and we really wanted to hear how that's going so we've invited two local students Jake and Izzy to come along and talk to us about their experience of home learning and how that's going and they're from a private and estate school in the local area so hi Jake and Izzy hi hi lovely to have you joining us on the parents show thanks for having us um, so now, we, tell us a little bit, let's start with you, Jake. How has your school been setting work? So the majority of my lessons have been put through Google Classroom and then use the technology that that gives you to set stuff on there as like assignments and posts, and then that kind of transpires into the lesson. So for those parents or, or carers, how does that work exactly? Um, so there, we all have... Google Classroom set up for all of our classes that we're in at school and the teachers on that classroom as well and then they'll upload work as like a message or as an assignment and they'll put the steps that you need to do for that so it might have some web pages linked or videos linked and your instruction might be to watch the video and make notes and that will be your lesson or you'll have a booklet that they've uploaded that you need to complete and then you upload evidence that you've done that so either it's like pictures or what you can do as well is because Google Classroom is linked with the whole Google system, you can like do Google Docs and then that will hand in at the same place. And so how easy has that been? Have you been finding, finding that quite an easy platform to use then? 
I I have because it's what we've used a lot. So out of all my time in secondary school, we've always had that available, and teachers have set class, uh, homework on there as well as reminders and stuff like that. So I'm used to the software of it as well. So that's great. So that that's that's quite handy, I suppose, that you were already used to that before lockdown started. Have you had any live lessons at all, Jake? So I've I've had a couple. So I've had. But it kind of varies by subject because some have done more than others and some haven't done any at all. But I think it depends on the subject because lots of subjects you don't really need live lessons for because it's pretty self-explanatory. Whereas others that are more difficult to kind of comprehend, it's helpful to have a live lesson with it. Lovely. Okay. Why don't we find out from Izzy whether it's been a similar experience or or whether it's been different with with her school? So how's how's this work been set with you, Izzy? Um, at my school, it's been quite different. So we get set work across lots of different platforms. So like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, email, Google Drive, and Google Classroom. And it depends on the subject. So it really like the teacher chooses which one they would like to use the most and we use that for that subject. And how do you find that, Izzy? Is it, it sounds slightly confusing. Is it in reality? Yeah, it's quite confusing because we also get set our works for the time our lesson starts and we have to hand it in at the end of the lesson. So sometimes it's like a bit frantic trying to find the right platform that our work's being set on. Right. So how long are your lessons, Izzy? Um, they're an hour each and I have five lessons a day. Right. So it can be a little bit of a scramble to make sure that you know what's going on as soon as the next lesson starts. Yeah, because they've kept their normal timetable. So all the lessons are like they would be at school. And Jake, that's an interesting point. What about your work? Has that been set? Because I know some schools are kind of setting work, I don't know, at the beginning of the week or at the beginning of the day. Have you had to hand work in at a particular time? So the majority of my work set on the same day that the lesson is. So if I've got maths on Monday, I'll have to have it in by Monday. But normally it's by the end of the day or like so, some teachers have said by the end of the school day, where some other teachers have said or oh, just in by nine o'clock so that you have it done by the end of the day, but not not by the time that my lesson in. But if I had like live lessons, that would be in the time that the lesson was in. Right. Okay. And interestingly, have you have you found that you've still done the work in your timetable? Because although you don't have to, so if, for example, you had a, a lesson for maths at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, would you still do your work at 11 o'clock or have you just kind of freewheeled the day? So it kind of depends. I, I try and stick to the timetable, but if there's a lesson I look at that I don't really want to do, I'll push it further and further to the end of the day. But yeah, m- mostly I've done it in the order of the timetable because I find that helps me keep organised and make sure I do all the work that I need to do. I'd love to know how long is your day, Izzy and Jake? How Roughly how long is it going from? Is it mirroring the normal school day in terms of hours? For me, it's the normal hours. So we start at like 9.15. We sometimes have assembly before that. And then we have like lessons and then we have lunch and then we have some more lessons. So it's exactly how it would be at school. So mine's quite different to that. I've it, it kind of depends on the day because some of my lessons seem to take the 45 minutes that my lessons normally are and some of them go quicker than that because of partly because of how I work through them but just because of what's been set. So there's some days that I finish at my normal time and others that I finish quite well not quite early but somewhat early compared to what I would in a school day. That's really interesting. So, I mean, it seems like there's such a difference between the two systems that are being used. And Jake, yours sounds a little bit like it it lacks a bit of interaction. Would that be fair to say? I, I think to a, a certain extent, but I think there is the like communication with the teachers if you need there to be. And I, I know that I could always message my teachers if I got confused about something. So I think there is a still a level of interaction it's not quite the same as a normal school day but I think there is still some interaction and how about you Izzy um well at the start of all our lessons because they're at a certain time we have like a 10 minute zoom call where we like uh, we ask any questions that we have on the work and the teachers will tell us what we need to do today and just like go through stuff with us if we're unsure which is quite helpful 
and then we can always email our teachers as well if we're stuck right so actually Izzy so you're so it's it's kind of a live lesson but do you after that first 10 minutes do you then does everybody kind of then just get down buckle down and just do the work is that how it works yeah so our teacher will just like it's a roughly 10 minutes but it depends how many questions people have and then she just stops the meeting for he and we go do the powerpoint that's been set or the yeah the classwork for the day and so how have you been finding that so have you have you felt like that's been enough contact or would you have preferred more or would you have preferred less um I think it's been good because if there's more questions that people have then it will just go on a bit longer or if no one has any questions they're just finished their meeting early and I find it quite helpful because because it's live it's a bit more like a classroom and you can ask them questions I found it quite helpful yeah I I have a bit of a strange question for you both. Do you feel like you're actually learning or do you feel a little bit like you're treading water? And and has that feeling changed from, you know, from 23rd of March to to now? Lizzie, would you mind answering first? I found that I have been learning but not as much as I would at school because I found it quite hard to concentrate and stay focused. And I think as the time has gone on, I've just become more and more like less motivated yeah so I I think I'm similar I find it difficult to stay motivated on some days as well but I think the level of learning I've done has kind of changed because at the the start of the distance learning I think we didn't understand how long it would go on for so I think lots of my lessons were revision based and going over stuff so I wasn't necessarily learning new stuff but I think as it's got longer teachers have realized that we have to learn new stuff so, but then I think some subjects I probably haven't learned as much as I normally would in school, but then others we seem to be going at a faster pace than we would at school. So I think there's a balance there. So I, and the next question I wanted to ask you is about what you, what you like most about distance learning. Like how does, it, how does it work for you? What elements of it work for you, Izzy? I quite like it because I can make my notes in my own way. So at school we'd normally have to write out our notes on paper as like we make notes as the teacher talks but now I find I can do it on my computer which is quite helpful because I can add images and like change the font so it makes it easier for me to learn that way and also I think I like the fact that I can spend longer on the things that I'm finding hard and then quicker on the topics I'm finding easy so I can work on my own pace. That's really lovely to hear that there are some positives coming out of it, because I think a lot of parents are really quite nervous about this whole period and and how children are getting through it. So it's lovely to hear that there are some positives. What about you, Jake? What do you what what's your feeling about it? So I I think I'm the same as it lets me set out my work the way I'd want to and do it in the way I want to, which I prefer, because sometimes lessons force you to do things in a particular way. But then I think being at home allows you a bit more freedom with how you choose to do stuff because it gives you more choice over what you want to take notes on and how like how many questions if what you if what you're doing you don't understand. But yeah, I I, I think I've enjoyed it somewhat more than being in school to a certain extent because there's definitely bits of it that I prefer. That's really interesting. So you've actually preferred bits of it to being in school. Yeah, but then there's also bits of it that are a lot more nice to do in school and to have that more interaction with your peers as well as your teachers. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, I mean, the social interaction is a huge loss. And how are you both kind of managing around that? Are you managing to keep in touch with friends? Izzy, how about you? Yeah, I stay in touch with most of my friends through social media mainly. But now because the, the quarantine has the restrictions have been lifted I can now see some of my friends which is nice but I did find when it around like March and April kind of time it was a it was a bit lonely because I couldn't really go see my friends like we would at school. Yeah I think I'm the, the same as Izzy I could always message people and like talk to them while playing on the PS4 or something but it was never quite the same as chatting to them in school but yeah now the restrictions have started to lift and I'm able to meet my friends I've been doing that quite a lot yeah so you've got the best of both worlds at the moment but I'm I'm really curious to feel 
how you feel about your GCSEs next year. Both of you have them. So how do you feel? Do you feel like you're behind? Are you anxious? How much are your teachers reassuring you? Jake, would you mind going first? Yeah, so I think to, to a certain level, I'm anxious because it's a different experience and no one's gone through it before. But then I remember that it's not just me going through it. Everyone else who will be taking exams next year has the same like pressure and circumstances. So it reassures me a bit that way, knowing that the exam boards have to compensate for everyone, not just our, our school. So. Yeah, I feel the same as Jake. I think that it's nice. It's kind of like quite comforting knowing that you're not the only school that's struggling. Well, not struggling, but in this situation, it's nice knowing that the whole the whole country is in the same situation. Yeah. Have you been given any particular reassurances? I've I've heard some word on the street from various kids about what they think is going to happen next year with regard to their GCSEs. But then when I kind of ask them what their sources are, it seems to be from another friend, from another friend. And actually, they're not quite sure what their schools feel. Have you had any reassurances from either of your schools or your teachers about what's going to happen with GCSEs next year? Um, Should we go to... Yeah, go on, Jake. I think the problem is the teachers know as little as we do. So... They, they can try and reassure us, but if we ask them questions, lots of it they just don't know because they haven't been told. And that the, the exam boards are more focused on getting the current year 11s, their grades correctly, that they haven't kind of focused on us yet, which is fair enough. But I think I'm reasonably confident that it will work out all right eventually. And Izzy? Yeah, that's kind of the same with me. Like lots of my teachers don't really know what's going to happen in the future or how it's going to plan out and I personally have heard quite a lot of different things from different people about what's going to happen so I think it's all just a bit uncertain. Right okay so that that's interesting what different things have you heard Izzy? I've heard like they might they might cut out the amount of like content that we have to learn or for example in English we wouldn't have to memorize our like our plays and things we have to learn or our coursework would be cut down or just we wouldn't have an exam we'd just be based off coursework throughout the year right okay so that actually is quite a lot of different different ways that um the government could or the schools could approach this uh, which is interesting which one would you prefer actually do you know which one you'd prefer like open book or less content i think i would prefer probably an open book test or less content either of them but I prefer to have an exam that has like some form of exam rather than it just be based off coursework because I think that's quite hard for the whole year to be pushing as hard as you can just so you get a good grade because I think a test is quite it's quite a good way because it's fair on everyone across the country I think anyway. Yeah. Jake, what about you? I think that's a really interesting question. Out of those options, less content or coursework or open book, which would you prefer? So I I think I'd struggle if they just did coursework because the majority of my subjects have no coursework element to them at all. I think there's only one or two that I've done any coursework for. I think I I might enjoy less content or or open book, but then it's going to benefit everyone else as well. So it's going to make the overall exam harder. But then I think it I, I think it will depend when we get in year 11 based on how much we've missed and how much we've got to catch up. But then I don't think we really know that now. So I think it will depend a lot next year. Right. So have either of you been given any uh, steer from your schools about what will be happening over the summer holiday? Because I'm assuming you're both looking forward to having a break. Will you be having a break or do you feel like you need to carry on? Or what have the schools said? Should we go to Jake first? I, I hope we have a break. But yeah, I, th- I, th- I haven't been told much, but I think we, we just assume we'll have our summer holidays as normal. Probably unlikely we'll get to go away anywhere or, or go abroad. But I think we'll still have the normal six weeks that we have and that that will be the same. I, I don't think we've heard anything from our school that anything will be different but just that they're looking to at next year to see what they have to do for September. Izzy? I think lots of my teachers they don't really understand how like how many gaps we have in our knowledge so quite a few of my teachers have expected us to 
go go look over our notes from the last term um and just throughout the year and make sure we understand it all but I think that'll be hard because it's quite hard teaching yourself a whole term worth of stuff and then I think we are expected to have a relaxing summer though from the stressful year or like this year and before we let you go, Jake and Izzy, I just want to ask you or a question about how you how you would dream for September to be. What's your ideal scenario? And uh, let let us know what you what you'd love it to be like. Izzy, would you mind going first? I'd like to be at school, not doing any more online learning, which would be nice because I'd be able to see my friends and my teachers, and it would be nice just to go back to normal. Also, I think at the beginning of the year, it would be really nice to have the time to go over everything because I think there are quite a lot of gaps in my knowledge at the moment. And I think if there was a teacher there in person, it would be quite, it, I'd be really appreciate that they went through everything. Yeah, so, so I think I'd be the same because just the last couple of weeks, I've started to be able to go in one day a week to do a limited subject range. But I'd like in September to be able to go in for the full five days and be able to get the support from the stuff that I've missed or that I've not quite got in that time as well as still carrying on with the course so that we don't get behind on it that that makes a huge amount of sense so I hope I hope what you both want comes true and we're you know things are back to normal in September I think everybody's yearning for a bit of normality again after what's been a crazy crazy few months but Izzy and Jake it's been fantastic hearing from you and you've such mature and interesting insights about how lockdown has gone from you I'm sure lots of parents will really get a lot from what they've heard from you and well done both of you it sounds like you're actually both you know on top of things and doing a really good job so um, so keep up with that well done Brilliant. So Jake and Izzy, thanks for joining us on The Parents Show and I hope you have a fantastic summer. Thank you. And I'd like to give a really warm welcome to the show to a young man called Samuel, who's aged 10. Hi, Samuel. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good indeed. So you're 10 years old. Yep. And tell me, how long have you lived in St. Albans? I don't live in St. Albans. I live in Shenley. Ah, okay. And how long have you lived in Shenley? Um, my whole life, actually. I've lived in different houses, but they were both in Shenley. Okay, lovely. And Samuel, if somebody was going to ask you to describe yourself, what what would you say? How would you describe yourself? And you can say as many things as you like. Okay, so I think I'm pretty sensible, clever. I can be funny. I'm kind. Yeah, I don't I don't really like to brag about it, but like, yeah. Because I'm creative. I, I I really enjoy maths. Um and yeah. I'm also Jewish. Fantastic. That's a lovely long list of attributes and they sound great. And tell us a little bit about what, what really interests you and what makes you want to get up and change the world and do things. Well, I I'm, I quite like, um, like scientists, they, they're kind of really cool how, like, they kind of inspire me a bit, and, yeah. And in, any particular scientists that are, that interest you? Well, I, I really like Albert Einstein. Yeah, he's one of the smartest, isn't he? Yes. And is he so? He's somebody who inspires you. And what does he make you want yeah. to get up and do, or do, does he make you want well, to like, change like things? Kind of discover new things, basically. Fantastic! I, I, it would be really cool if I like managed to discover something new. Yeah, I that's really a that's a great ambition to have. And do you ever feel like you want to change the world, Samuel? Are um, the things that you want to have differently? I'm not sure if I'm honest. Yeah, that's a that's a perfectly okay thing to say. Some I I really don't know. No problem. No problem. And I want to ask you how has lockdown been for you? Um it's not been too bad actually. I haven't really missed miss my friends that much because I have FaceTime and things and Zoom. Also, um I live with my family, so it's not like I'm all alone. And yeah, it's not been too bad. It 
it was a bit scary to start off with, but now I've got used to it a bit, and like, yeah. It feels like a new normal. Yeah. And listen, how has Friday night, how have your Friday nights been over lockdown? They're they're a bit different um, because they're a lot shorter, um, although we still do have, we still do like prayers and we have colour wine, like the candles as usual. It's kind of funny when we sing um, together because we all sing and start at different times. (laughs) <laughs> and um we we do it on the ipad on zoom and my family so my daddy's side and my mummy's side do it and yeah it's quite a lot of fun seeing them and do you miss going to the synagogue sometimes yeah a bit yeah and what are you looking forward to going back to normal what what things well, do you um, just want to yeah. back to normal as soon as possible Yes, yeah, being able to see everyone and go near and have play dates and like yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's together. it it was a I also really enjoy it on festivals when we when my family gets together and there has been some festivals in lockdown that we had to do through Zoom. Um so I'm I'm excited for next year when we can do them properly. And get back to back to normal and celebrate yeah. together. Yeah. And are there any things about lockdown that you actually like and that you'd like to stay the way they are? Well, I um I go on the iPad a bit more. And like if it weren't for lockdown, I wouldn't really I might not have started social media. And yeah, it's been it's been very relaxing. Although like sometimes when it's not lockdown it is relaxing. So yeah. There are there are some things, but then, yeah, yeah. So, and a little birdie told me that your first day of lockdown was quite a special day. What yeah. date was that again? The first day of lockdown, March twenty third, was actually my birthday. Aha, what a birthday to have! Yeah, it was a well one one thing that it was a bit annoying is I was really excited for my party that was the twenty. 1st of March but it was cancelled it was an escape the room and yeah I'd never done one before so I yeah it was really annoying when um I couldn't do it also I missed a holiday to America and <sighs> that's yeah, hard yeah it was really it's really annoying <laughs> um and I also miss like so I was going to go um to Leicester with um one of my friends and yeah I missed that as well so yeah. yeah, that's three big misses around your birthday. But tell me, how did you? What did you do instead? And how how did you? How was it different to other birthdays that you've had? Well, um, I, I've stayed at home. My family wasn't really able to go to come over. I did like message them and Facetime them though. Oh yeah, for my birthday, I. I was going to see Sixth Musical and I couldn't, I wasn't able to do that. And I was also going to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child because I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are lots of things that I've missed because of lockdown. Oh, that's really tough. That's really tough. But you sound like you've been very brave about it all. And do you think you managed to have a good celebration despite, uh, that's a pretty long list of misses, I have yeah. to say. One thing that was the same, every year I have like a present hunt where there's this big treasure hunt and at the end I get all my presents. And every year there's one more question. So like, on my eighth birthday, there were eight. On my ninth birthday, there were nine. And on my tenth, which was um, this time, there were ten um, clues. So, yeah. And are they getting tougher each year? Well, they um, they kind of vary. Some are hard, some are not. And, yeah. Pre- I, I love doing the present hunts. Brilliant. Brilliant. So that's one of my favourite parts. Fantastic, fantastic. And tell me, did I hear something about a vlog? Tell me. Is yeah, there um, do- on, on my birthday, 
I like was saying how I felt and things and that it was my birthday on the first day of lockdown and I well my mum you posted it I did it and like yeah I did a couple more but like it wasn't like this I never really made it into like this um weekly thing and I I'm not sure if the if the two other two that I did got posted but like yeah also um and what what were you talking about in the vlog the first one um on my birthday got quite a lot of views as well which was pretty cool that's very cool yeah um so i was talking about like how i felt like what was going on and yeah that's basically it it wasn't very long it was just a couple of minutes Fantastic. And listen, tell me, what do you do that has nothing to do with being being Jewish? What what things in your life or activities that you do are not about your religion? Well, I play, I go on the iPad. I suppose some of that is to do with um, Judaism, being free. But uh, I also do lots of clubs. So like I play the piano, um, but obviously I'm not able to do all them. Like lots of them are sports, like karate. Yeah. And like I do tap as well. Um, yeah. Fantastic. You are one busy boy, Samuel, yeah. that's for sure. And now just before we finish up, I want to ask you one last question. And that's what do you think is the most positive thing you're going to take away from lockdown, from the whole the whole experience of lockdown? Um, probably the best thing about lockdown is that I've got to spend a bit more time with my parents and sister at home because usually I'm at school but like yeah obviously I can't go to school so I've spent more time with them well, and that's a, yeah. what a lovely thing to say yeah sorry did I interrupt you were you going to say something no, else I wasn't that's a lovely thing oh your parents are going to be so pleased you mentioned them I think that's that's just so so lovely so Samuel thanks a million for um coming on the radio show and sharing your thoughts it's been a real pleasure talking to you you're welcome I I've really enjoyed it as well take care bye 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 so that's it for this evening's show. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Lydia L. Curry. And I'm Seema Barker. It's been a pleasure as always. And tune into the show next week. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution.